This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. Hi, everyone. So it's another guest episode, our second guest episode, where we're bringing in somebody that we feel we can learn so much from. And we know that you will learn from them as well. And so the guest today that we have is Ruth Kudsey. So I just want to say welcome to the Education Business Podcast. Thank you so much for giving up your time and speaking to us. Thank you so much for having me. So I don't know if you've seen Ruth on LinkedIn, but oh my word, she is so prolific. And she says so much that I think, oh yeah, that's so me or I relate to that so much, so much valuable content. Uh, But one of the reasons really why we wanted to invite her on the show is that she used to be a teacher, just like many of you. And now she's still a teacher because she trains coaches. Um, And uh, I know that you've got some programs that I'm going to be looking into as well um, because it interests me from a leadership perspective. But you're a best-selling author, you're a podcaster, um, and your work really focuses very much on leadership, um, as, mm. as far as I understand. Um, so just welcome. I'm just so excited that we're going to learn from you today. Like, just forget that we're recording um, because we have some really interesting questions to ask you. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So probably different from how you um, normally have, have questions on a podcast. This is very teaching related. But I would love to know, what was the moment that you decided that you would leave teaching? What what led to that point? Why did you decide to do it? What happened? So this is a story. Um, so I, after I had my first daughter, I took the, I think I had nine months maternity. And when I came back, so I was, I was on the senior leadership team for a relatively big comprehensive in London. When I came back, they'd allocated all of the different like leadership responsibilities. And I had behavior systems, Mm. which which I didn't mind, but I also had cover. And, you know, my, my preferences and what I'm good at is big picture thinking, vision, inspiring others, all of that kind of stuff. What I'm really, really not good at is detail. So I had cover and I had to come in every, like early every morning. You couldn't do it from home. So I would be getting into school about half six, seven o'clock wow. latest. And I had a, a little daughter at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and my it was her first birthday. And basically I got up and she was asleep. Then I got home and she was asleep. And oh. I'd also said to our business manager, can I, so when I was in charge of cover, if anyone said to me, Ruth, I want to, obviously I was like really lax. Ruth, I want to, um, I need to go to my kids, like first day at nursery. I need to, I'm always like, yeah, of course, go. Like, it's more important. Mm. Um, but he said, no, I don't think you should go. Uh, even though there was nothing to cover. So I didn't, I didn't go to her first day, which is the next day. So her birthday, I didn't spend that day with her. I didn't see her. And then the next day, I didn't go to her first day at nursery. And I just thought, why am I doing this? Like, mm. and, and it's really interesting because I was part of a program called Future Leaders, which, is now under ambition school leadership. And I remember being pregnant with her the summer before. And I was, I was um, a leadership mentor and coach for their program that year. Cause I was an alumni and a couple of the head teachers said to me, Ruth, every child matters except for your own. And mm. I just remembered that. And I was like, I'm going to leave like, this is it. Mm. I'm going to leave. So that was when I made my decision. 
mm-hmm. uh, and then and then I got pregnant again. So thank you, thank you, God, uh, thank you, universe. <laughs> I got pregnant again, so I left after my second maternity leave. So yeah, that decision. So that was about two years. It took me about two years to leave. Um, but I just thought I can't. It was that. It was that thing. It, and and I hate to say it, every child matters except your own. And it's mm. it's really hard because as a teacher, you really, really care about your students. Like mm. probably you care far too much, don't we? Um, but when you become a parent as well, it there's so much conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because um I left for the same reason, but before I had children. It was like for the children I never had. Yeah. Because I just knew that I wouldn't be able to manage that and, yeah. and, and, and do the, the two things. And it's really sad, really, that even with a part-time role, it's it's not very child-friendly. Well, to your own kids anyway. Yeah, it's child-friendly to other kids. It's, it is. Every child matters except for your own, but it's not child-friendly to your kids. And I think, obviously, you can have those situations especially I think more in primary where your kid can go to your school which Mm. can be like a little bit of a you know that can be a bit better but secondary you don't want your kid to go to your school yeah no (laughs) and I wouldn't want my kids to go to that school (laughs) do you think that uh do you think that there's a because I think from my perspective from the outside looking in having never sort of worked in a school environment but um I see that I think probably more so in secondary there's a more male leaders than there is female leaders did you say that's that's right and do you think that's also to do with the dynamics of it yeah I mean so I've never I've only ever worked under one female head teacher she was amazing mm. um she used to teach at Forest Gate she's called Margaret Wheeler she unfortunately had cancer and, and she died quite early I think she's in her 50s she was amazing she's the only female head teacher I've worked under although I worked under somebody who was a deputy who's now a head mm. um but in my experience, and actually thinking about the Future Leader Network, the majority of the head teachers were men. Now, that was even more so in the North. So in London, I'd say there was more of a balance, but still it was probably men. Um, but in the North, it was really rare to have a female head teacher. Yeah, um, particularly from a secondary school. Yeah, from a secondary school. And I think... Yeah, and I noticed as well that lots of the women who were kind of my peers, when they had children, they either took a step back for a few years or they did it differently. I think I think some of the role models that you see in senior leadership in in um, secondary schools, you know, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of some examples, I won't name them. Amazing, amazing, amazing. But they give everything. And I remember even one of my head teachers. He had young children, but he would literally be at school from seven o'clock in the morning till mm-hmm. seven o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I think that most women wouldn't do that if they had young children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I also see like that, you know, people make decisions that you shouldn't really have to make. Like, well, I'll only have one child um, mm-hmm. because then I'm not going to prolong this this hell where I am working all these hours as well. It's, um, yeah, it's really interesting. So, so you left teaching, so you knew you had to leave. So yeah. did you go to something or did you did you kind of work mm. on the side to get something ready or did you have a bit of a break and figure it out? Mm. Yeah. Uh, it. So what we did is we, um, 
we are well i i knew that i wanted to do coaching so what i've been doing before is i've been as i said i've been doing like leadership coaching like on the side really with ambition school leadership future leaders i've been doing some voluntary work with them i've been doing various other bits and i'd retrained as a coach so i'd always got this idea that i wanted to be a coach so i'd i'd i've been doing stuff on the side and then i saw my second maternity leave as an opportunity to see if i could make it work and i didn't you know i was a business and psychology teacher so i knew about business mm -hmm. i didn't know anything about being online like teachers aren't on social media i mean linkedin maybe but you know things like instagram like i used to think why would anyone be on a platform where you share photos of yourself it's really weird <laughs> <laughs> now i've got like eight thousand followers or something ridiculous and i'm like but you know, it didn't make any sense to me. So I, I gave myself that buffer of maternity leave. And because I was a limited company, you know, I wasn't paying myself during that time. So it was like kind of building up, you know, yes. and it's a great opportunity to do that. And then I resigned whilst I was on maternity leave. And I had an amazing head teacher who allowed me to work my notice. And actually I worked as a consultant for a little bit afterwards. So that was really good. But yeah, I knew, I'd known for a long time that I really enjoyed coaching. Having a coach, like when I went into the Future Leaders program um, and like bringing people on and having that thing. So I thought, I know there's a way I can do this, but I wasn't really very clear at all about how that would how that would look or how I'd make it happen. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Ed? Okay, so obviously the transition from being a teacher into running your own business it's an interesting one. So what kind of mind shifts you mind? No, I'm going to say that again. What kind of mindset shifts have you had to make from a teacher to an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. So one of the things about being a teacher <laughs> is that you're pretty, in a way you're pretty autonomous, aren't you? Because yes. you are running your path. Like you're, you're responsible. Most times you're on your own. You like you meet deadlines, but you have to plan your own time. So that was brilliant. Like used to playing my own time. But really funnily, things like I never used to have a lunch hour. So when I was a when I was like a new teacher, I spent two years as a teacher with no responsibility in my 20s. Great, great times, really fun times. Um, I had lunch break. I mean, at that point, <laughs> you at that point, our school even had a smoking room where people wow. would go and smoke. Wow. I mean, this is like this is a while ago. Um but I never used to have lunch as a, as a middle and senior leader. So I used, to, I used to plan my days with no lunch break. So there was a lot of mindset shifts to get out of that kind of, you know, this is how you have to structure your day to be successful. Um, and then I think the visibility one was a big one because you as a teacher, you don't want any of your students to find you. So basically you live your like you're not visible on social media you're not talking about what you're doing so that was huge like mm. and you know and I, I think so there's a lot there about you know confidence to step into a different identity um and I think a lot of the skills the skills that you've got there is no one more resilient than a teacher we're in November now there is no one more resilient than a teacher in November like yeah like honestly so that was something like I, I was always able to pick myself up but do you know what as a teacher I was not very good at self-care so that was something that I learned um mm. so I think yeah I think it was confidence about being visible that was the biggest thing I think the resilience and the goal focus I already had so 
that's what I say to anyone listening. There's probably a lot of things that you already have. Yeah. And it's interesting that you pick that up about the visibility because, you know, quite a, a few of the people that we're entering, it, it is like this worry about visibility. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I suppose really where my real growth has come is realizing, do you know what, Claire, you've got to do a lot of personal development um, to be able to to believe that you can grow a company and things like that. And um, for me, I think it, it came from a place of fearing judgment. Um, yeah. Do you think, I don't know, have you got anything to say about judgment in schools and what oh, you bring oh, from sorry. your classroom? Well, I think, okay, we're all always judging and being judged, like even if we don't know it unconsciously. So we're like, we're, we're judging others and being judged. But when you're at school, um, especially when you're in a senior leadership position, I mean, you're being judged by the teachers, you're being judged by the students, yeah. you're judged by the parents, you're being judged by the governors. Yeah, you're being judged by you're being judged by the head teacher, and I think that it's interesting because I I had gone through the being a teacher, like it being great, you know, having like a great group of friends in the school and and all of that, to then becoming a senior leader, and that's a really interesting shift because everything changes because you're not the same as everybody else anymore. Mm. That hierarchy does exist, and you have to have those boundaries. So in a way, I was used to I was used to people not always liking my decisions, but actually most people used to think I was pretty fair. And then I come online and people don't know about you. And I think that it, you can really go into that fear and that fear of rejection. What if I'm not good mm-hmm. enough? And I guess for teaching, we could hide behind our lesson observations, our results, all of that stuff. And this, I, I think, is much more exposing running your own business. Um, especially because people can make a, a judgment about anything, can't they? Yep. So it's definitely like part of judgment is learning to stop judging yourself, learning to stop holding yourself up to those high standards. And most teachers that I speak to, you know, they're, they're people that really want to do well. Like you, you go into education because you care about making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. You might leave because you're jaded, but that's the reason you go into it. And I think that, you know, having, translating that to being an entrepreneur, most teachers I speak to still are doing what they're doing. So they want to make the world a better place. But it is like, there's that fear that, oh my gosh, well, maybe, uh, maybe people aren't going to understand or, and, and you work through it. So, you know, I remember people writing a horrible comment on my social media and me up all night crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was up all night crying, like, oh my God, they don't like me. What if nobody likes me? Um, and I really made it mean something. Now, this person didn't even know me. Mm. And I would say that over the years, so I've been online for nearly seven years now, I would say that I've got better. I wouldn't mm. say that, you know, if somebody makes a nasty comment or something like that, that I'm, you know, that I just brush it off, but I'm much better. So it's probably like a five or 10 minute, like yeah. mini meltdown rather than a two days crying. So this is what I want to say to everybody. It gets easier and it gets easier because the more that you do something, the more that you build the neural pathway, the more it becomes a habit, the more that it becomes easier. Everything is hard at the beginning. And I think we forget that, don't we? Because again, we're teaching and we're usually teaching a subject that, well, except when you're a senior leader, but usually you're teaching a subject that you've got a degree in that you know really well. So you know know it inside out and you're basically it can feel like you're starting again. 
but actually you're not really starting again. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think sometimes, you know, when we first start thinking about it, we realize how much we judge ourselves. Mm. I think I definitely judged myself a lot more than I ever realized. And then what I was doing is was projecting that out. And one of the things I found the hardest, because I, I was a secondary teacher just for a couple of years, really. I knew that I didn't want to do it long term. Then I went into primary for a bit and then I started this company and then and then I had all these ex-teachers that I'd employed. So I kind of felt like a senior leader without having any clue how to be. I didn't want to be one, but yeah. I suppose the, I was taking on the projection of that as well, as well and I found that difficult um and that's when I'm like oh my word I need to fix this and um I'm still I'm still working on it <laughs> I'm still working on leadership and all these things but it's it's hard the self-awareness of it is is hard um and maybe the hardest part of the journey for me I think yeah and I would say you're always working on it like I would not call myself an amazing leader um yeah which is what makes you a, an amazing leader. Yeah, I mean, it's always learning. We're always developing. And actually, it's really interesting because leading in a school is so different to running your own business. Mm. Because I think part of it, when you lead in a school, you're used to people being really quite autonomous, aren't you? Because everybody mm. has to um, make their own decisions. And like, so you're kind of, you know, you're, ex you're expecting people to be at a certain level. And what I found really difficult is that uh, is is sometimes getting it right in my own business. Yeah, and I think that it's always is learning. Yeah, yeah, and and oh my word, we've learned so much. And I suppose what's helped us is actually bringing in people who don't have a teaching background mm -hmm. to help us kind of like level the playing field a little bit more yeah. and teach yeah. us things that we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but it has been been super tricky. And then I was having a conversation with them. Um, some of our team about six months ago and I suppose it was a bit of a shock really because what I said was you know you've talked about being autom autonomous as a teacher but I think sometimes we don't actually realize that we didn't really work in a team we were like oh, we're in a team we're in the key stage two team like mm. no but you weren't really you worked by yourself and now you really have to work in a team and it's a completely different way of working because you're not this little entrepreneur on your own yeah, but you also need to keep the entrepreneurialism. It's it's just a strange shift, I think. It is definitely, and and it's really interesting because, like, coming from an education background, like I just had really a really different view of leadership. So I, yeah, I expected people to be autonomous. I expected people to be professional. I expected people to come with solutions to problems because mm. that, that that was literally the culture that I had grown up in. That mm. you know that it, even as a, a as a new teacher, because you have to, you know, something will happen in your classroom, you have to make a decision. And then you go, you know, like you go to your manager and say, this happened, I made this decision, what do you think? And you'd learn that way. And realizing that that isn't the mindset that most people have was really interesting. So yeah, it's always evolving. <laughs> always. Yeah. So do you think teachers make good entrepreneurs? I do. And do you know why I do? Because they've got that that autonomy that they're autonomous like as a teacher you're managing 30 children every day like you have to you have to be professional you have to be boundaried otherwise you're going to burn out and I know that lots of teachers leave because they're close to burnout but you you know even if you've been there a year you've done pretty pretty well 
Mm. You've got to do, you've got lots of different skills that like you do admin, you do planning, you do reflection. All of those things are really important. You're resilient. Um, you know, you take not, no day is the same in teaching. Mm-hmm. And equally, you're able to pick yourself back up. So I think all of us who've been teachers have had awful days as teachers, but we always then go back in. And I think mm. that is something about being a business owner. There'll be days when you're like, this is just not a good day. And then you're able to pick yourself up and go back in. So I think that teachers have lots of the skills. I think the thing is that I don't know if this resonates, but so many times I heard people saying to me, it's really difficult to leave teaching. It's really difficult to leave teaching. This was a narrative I heard again and again and again. We've got no transferable skills. And I'm like, you've got so many transferable skills. And actually, in a way, starting your own business, you can use all those skills because maybe there are people in the private sector who don't who don't see them as, as valuable as they are. Yeah. And I think that's interesting, really, because what I would say is because I do hear that a lot, Mm. but it all comes down to belief and that's belief as well. Like, I don't believe that I've got transferable skills. I don't believe that this could be possible for me. Um, I think a lot of teachers don't believe in themselves, Mm. Um, particularly if they've left like to go to a job. I I certainly see it um, where they, they feel like they must have failed because they're not in teaching anymore. But actually, mm. they're doing something that's better for them. They're doing something still amazing for education. It's just mm. something different. And it's it's that kind of thing. There's yeah. a lot of guilt that teachers hold um, about leaving the profession. And I know this because I did. And it doesn't help you. But, you know, rather than saying I left teaching after X amount of years, Like I worked in inner London schools for 12 years of my life, 12 years of my life. And probably my attendance is probably like 90, 95, 97%. So I spent that time really working with some of the most underprivileged children Mm. in society. That's something to be proud of. Not, Mm. oh, I didn't do well enough because I left. This is the thing that we need to reframe that to. And actually, Working in inner London schools is really hard. Working in inner, inner city schools anywhere in the UK is incredibly challenging. Mm. And I think that people don't like people don't acknowledge what they've done, even if you've done one year. Think about that impact that you could have had on a young person's life in that year. Yeah. That is like there's, there's nothing that compares to that. No. Yeah, no, it, think, it is think... all in the reframing. Sorry, Ed. And I think it's just, it's not just a nine to five job, is it? It's, you know, the hours that you put in above and beyond as well. I think it's it's important to step mm. back and recognize that. You mm. know, you don't, just leave, you don't just leave school at the end of the day and then forget about it until the next day, do you? Absolutely not. <laughs> you, you know, there's all the work you're going to do at home, but there's also the mental work you're doing when you're thinking about, Mm. the pupils and things like that so yeah and the laminating ed you love yeah, that the laminated. Oh, laminating mm-hmm. when i first started um teaching they they were still doing the visual auditory kinesthetic the learning style stuff they still were yeah, really yeah, yeah. That mm. the first couple of years and the amount of laminating i did of like the flags that were in the eu <laughs> I, I can't even remember what they are and i remember when they, when they were like no longer, like we've looked at recent evidence, visual auditory, auditory and kinesthetic no longer needs to be included in every lesson. Every teacher was like, yes. All the laminating companies were like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I did all my laminating. I did, I, I did yeah. the cutting because it had to be just so, but the laminating I trusted to whip him with. 
everything get, like the laminator gets so hot. I mean, I reckon and then it gets stuck every now and again. Yeah, <laughs> Gosh, we miss it, don't we? <laughs> oh, hugely, hugely. Go on, Ed. <laughs> okay, so from a, a coach's perspective, what does a teacher need to be, do, or have to be successful in business? They need to be confident. And they need to be prepared to work on their mindset every day. And people are always like, oh, like, what's that work? But I think that work is, you know, one of my one of the easiest, simplest things that I do every day is I ask myself in the morning, where am I on the scale of one to ten in terms of my self-belief? Okay, what's one thing I could do? And normally that one thing is get out of bed, write in your journal, okay, ask for help, go for a coffee with a friend, do like actually go on your super league ridiculously expensive peloton that you've got in the corner of your office which i'm just looking at behind me you know like it's really <laughs> simple things that you can do and that makes a huge difference because you're building that muscle so yes you have to be prepared to do the work what you have to do you have to do things that are going to move you towards your goal so you know if you're wanting to set up your own business you know think about what your goals are you have to understand your financials and then start to take action and start to measure. And I think you need to have some kind of support network around you. Now that could be your existing friends and family, or it could be finding those communities which have got other people. And I think that's a really important one because when you like going from a teacher to an entrepreneur, it can feel like you're the only person doing it. Mm -hmm. So finding communities where there's like-minded people listening to podcasts like this makes a huge difference yeah and I think it's interesting how you said support I would say that Ed has been my greatest support and if we um had not got together I probably wouldn't have become an entrepreneur because I wouldn't have believed that I could do it so curveball question that we didn't talk about before we start what's it like working with your husband (laughs) (laughs) so we have been working together for about a year um all right so not long at all then not that long so it was always the idea that yeah, there's always this idea. So he does digital marketing. So he's 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 been in marketing and advertising for his whole career. And it would have, you know, it's always a great idea. And then he made the decision in August 2021. So he started with us in October 2021. And I'd say at the beginning it was hard. Boundaries, not talking about work, yeah, where's work, where's home. Mm-hmm. But actually, like right now, we have Oh my gosh, we've just come, we've just exchanged on our house in South London. So we moved from South to North London okay. over a year ago. And for various reasons, that house sale just took ages to go through. We had mm. tenants in between and everything. We've just exchanged. So today he's there at the house and he has mm. that flexibility. Yeah. So I think it works, it works really well now. Mm. I'm not saying that we haven't had our fair share of screaming and shouting matches. We have. Um <laughs> But yeah, they're, 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 they're pretty infrequent, like once every few months. And it took a while to get into the groove. But now it's it's great because you know that you've got somebody in your corner. Um, we've got really complementary skills and it feels like we're in it together. And so actually I wouldn't change it. But again, it's like anything. At the beginning, it's the hardest. Mm-hmm. And it's always the things that they can do that you can't do that annoy you the most. Don't know why, it is. Do you like, think? Uh, yeah. You see, oh, I love the fact that I can't do it. In fact, there are some things I can do that I know that Ed will enjoy more. And I'm like, oh, God, I'd have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of that and that. But but it's it, it works around your family as well. It yeah. does work around your family. I think there's a bit of fear that some people have. Like, 
oh my gosh, we'll only, yeah, we're reliant on the business for income. Mm. But mm. yeah, I'm a former teacher. He's a marketing executive. He actually does a little bit of his stuff as well on the side because I we have the trading business, which we work in together. I still have my coaching business, which is just me. And he has like a bit of marketing consultancy, mm. which is just mm. him. So we do have those other projects. But you know, you could be in a job and lose your job. You know, it's like yeah. people get really attached to, well, what would happen if? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, if everything stopped tomorrow, I could go back and be a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there's there's always there's always something that you could do because when you come from education, you've always got that to fall back on. And actually, that's you know, if you're looking at building something, it might be I've never done supply, but it might be that you go, you do supply or you do part time. Mm-hmm that period of time i think i'd prefer part-time than supply just because i used to see mm. the way that some of the students used to teach used to, used to treat yeah. supply. Yeah, yeah. well i did do quite a bit of supply in secondary mm. as well in in bradford um mm. in my uh, in my first year of teaching and actually it kind of made who i was as a teacher it helped me a lot even though it was hard yeah um, because that meant when i went into to primaries I'd get rebooked a lot because what they wanted was order. And and that felt like a walk in the park. <laughs> Year six is just like, oh yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's easier like when the children are smaller than you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in fact, it's so funny because um, I remember this one incident. Just tell you this because I just think it's funny how our body has um, memory. Um, but so in some of these classrooms when I was in secondary, what I learned early on is that 10 minutes before the lesson ended, you had to stand in front of the door and you were kind of screwed if there were two doors because in science classrooms, often there's two doors. Um, but like years later, I'm in a primary classroom and it comes to the end of the day and this this boy wants to go first and he's being a right pain. So I said, no, you're not going first. And then, you know, things just happen sometimes and you go, oh, how did I, how did that happen? And before I knew it, I was just stood in front of the door because he tried to leave. And I was like, oh, my body just got morphed here. I just knew he was trying to leave. And he was like, oh, miss. And I was like, oh, wow, this is my my secondary training coming into action. But um, yeah, it it was... um, it was actually really helpful. It's, you know, you know, when you look at back at bad situations in your life, you're actually grateful for them because of what they taught you. And that's supply was one of those things for me, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. And it's been lovely to chat. And hopefully I, um, I'll talk to you about this afterwards, but um, I'd love to find out more about about becoming a coach and, and, and more about leadership. So yeah, thank you. And I think... Um, I think you'll have given a lot of ex-teachers who have started the businesses or maybe thinking about starting them a lot of confidence to get started. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.